Hello and welcome. Thanks so much for listening. This is Renee and this is Embodied Astrology. It is November 6th, just before 8 p.m. in Portland, Oregon, and I'm recording this episode for the Scorpio New Moon, uh, which is tomorrow, November 7th, 2018. And uh, I've got a lot to talk about tonight, so I'm excited to get there, and I'll get there in just a minute. I want to make a very quick announcement and say thank you to everyone who supports this project. Embodied Astrology is ongoing research that I engage as an artist, as a somatic movement educator, as someone who is active and engaged in the world around me as much as I can. And I feel like astrology is just a great language and a wonderful tool to have uh, at this time on Earth. It is not science, um, but it has a really long history and it has a sacredness to it that for me I have found incredibly powerful and needed. Um, I think a lot of us today, uh, we need faith, we need things to believe in, we need sacredness and access to it, and a lot of religions have really... um, bit the bullet, so to speak. They um, don't seem to practice what they preach all the time. They're hard to believe in. They're formulaic. They're outdated. And finding ways to feel sacredness, to come into some kind of alignment, to contextualize ourselves with what I think are a lot of the teachings in major religions, I think that can come through astrology. It is such a beautiful language, and it is an earth-based language. It is a mythic language. It is a symbolic language. It's creative. Every astrologer is different. So thanks for listening to me. I'll be talking to you for the next hour and some change about how I view astrology um, as a, a mythic and creative interpretation of the planets and the way that we experience their light and their resonance here on Earth through our bodies and our environments. So thank you for supporting this project. Um, I offer twice a month podcasts, guided meditations, and audio horoscopes for all 12 signs. And um, I love to offer this work for free. If you have any extra dollars, um, a one-time or recurring monthly donation really helps me out. If you can share this work with your friends, uh, click the hearts and the likes, make comments, um, ask questions, get engaged with uh, social media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, it, It all helps drive traffic to it. So thanks so much for being engaged. And also for monthly subscribers, there um, are some free gifts right now. And uh, I've been producing monthly or zodiacal season planners. So we're about two weeks um, into Scorpio season. We've got about two weeks left to go. And Sagittarius season is coming up. And so these planners are PDFs. You can print them out. They detail the lunar cycles and planetary aspects of the zodiac season. They discuss the sign. And they're just a tool for you to um, embody astrology and research it. There's room for you to make your own reflections and um, different ways to engage. So if you want your copy, you can become a monthly subscriber at any amount, any dollar amount whatsoever, and uh, you'll get the PDF and you can print it out. So thanks for supporting. Um, I want to also let you know that the holidays are coming up and I'm offering um, short readings, short personal readings, and they're the perfect gift for the perfect someone. So if you're interested in purchasing one of these short readings, they come in 15, 20, and 25 minute increments. Um, there's more info at embodiedastrology.com. 
I am full for uh, readings, personal readings of the full length um, through 2018. And I have new readings, uh, new appointment times opening up in January. So if you want to schedule um, a chart reading with me of a normal length, about an hour, um, check out the website as well. Finally, uh, if you're in Portland, I've got some upcoming events. Um, there's going to be a solstice event at North Portland Yoga. And I think another um, 2019 event that's still yet to be confirmed, as well as a, a teacher that I'm hosting, one of my teachers, the Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, who's coming in um, a, just a, a short amount of time now on the weekend of November 16th. So you can find all that info at Embodied Astrology or in the newsletter and um, hope to see you soon. Okay, so thanks for listening to that um, intro. And let's get into this chart analysis. I want to just place myself in context right now. So it is the U.S. midterm elections right now. And for those of you who um, are listening from outside of the United States, or maybe even for those of you inside the U.S., um, this is an important part of the election cycle, I guess. Um, seats are coming up in uh, the House of Representatives and in the Senate. And these races are really important because these are people who are representing um, states at a, at a more local level. So when uh, there is full control uh, by one party of the House, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and of course, the White House, as there is right now, being pretty much run by the GOP, we have uh, what's called a tyranny <laughs> or a dictatorship. And um, fascists can make laws. And this is what we've been seeing for the last two years. Uh, with Trump as president, he has um, made a, a number of really important judicial appointments, including two seats on the U.S. Supreme Court. And we have another two years at least with this guy, um, with the possible exception that maybe Robert Mueller's investigation will turn up something and maybe this will lead to something, but uh, who knows if that's going to happen. This is an important election in that there is at least some chance that the Democrats can take back control of the House, probably not the Senate, um, but if there is at least some kind of bipartisan control, then there can be at least some kind of checks and balances and um, maybe things won't go down the shitter as fast as they have been uh, going down. And all that to say, um, there's been so much wonderful movement that's been happening in the last two years. And I'm going to talk about that um, in this podcast. And I want to express that as much as there has been really a, a strong feeling of foreboding and agitation that I've had in my body that I know a number of people have had, um, I also have been feeling such wonderful and warm sense of hope, um, particularly when it comes to just day-to-day -day interactions um, with people I know, with strangers, with you all, people who write me. I've been getting a lot of letters and comments recently, and I just want to say that I, I trust us. I think that we can evolve. I think that we can grow. And I think that a lot of us are learning a lot and um, we're becoming very courageous and I trust us and I trust us to continue this. So um, I want to, to just place myself in this moment of unknown. And um, by the time I post this in a couple of hours, more results will come in. I know there have been a couple so far. A lot of things are still up in the air. 
And given the nature of the chart, which I will talk about this, there's also um, potential that we have at least four months of back and forth and maybe some conflict and chaos around these election results. I'm not holding my breath for anything to be set in stone or uncontested. So I don't know. And no matter what happens, um, we are going to move forward. And no matter what happens, I hope that all of us um, in the U.S., everywhere, uh, continue to feel ourselves fortified and held by one another and by the progress that we see happening all over the world um, with people really fighting to take their own power and um, defend themselves and the planet <laughs> from tyranny and destruction. So I, I trust us. I'm just going to stay with that. Um, I'm going to give a, a little bit of a different approach to tonight's reading of the chart. Um, I've decided that I'll talk about the chart really just in its pure essence uh, first. I'm going to go through the planetary aspects and describe how they feel for me. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about how I see this manifesting here on Earth and in some of the stuff that we're going through right now. So starting with this chart, we have a new moon at 15 degrees of Scorpio. And Scorpio is part of the fixed cross. The fixed cross refers to the four zodiacal months that hold the middle of the seasons. And Scorpio is the middle of autumn in the northern hemisphere. It's the middle of spring in the southern hemisphere. Its opposite sign is Taurus. Um, so Taurus holds the, the spring autumn axis as well. And then Leo and Aquarius are the other two fixed signs. And um, these signs are known for their power. And fixed energy can really do a lot. It has a huge amount of force. And 15 degrees is exactly the middle of the sign. There are 30 degrees to every sign. So at 15 degrees of a fixed sign, we have kind of the concentrated power of that sign. And I want to read a little bit from one of my favorites. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you might have heard me read from uh, his work before. This is Elias Lonsdale and his writing, um, Inside Degrees, and his description of Scorpio 15. So the title of this degree point is A Woman with a Gold Tooth. An extraordinary gift, very abusable and utterly redemptive. You invent, conceive, bring into being whatever you hope for and whatever you dread. Usually the dreads come up more first and dominate for a while. In this cycle, you scare up the world's most extreme melodramas, each one of them marked no way out, no way through. If you should outlast your dread demons, and you shall, you will find in a very different direction that there are equally powerful hope angels. You hope and wish and yearn for everybody to go free, and this wishing has deep uncanny power. For you have been nourishing for a very long time two counteracting worlds, the one dark and heavy with foreboding, the other swept clean by the magical will to bring the world around right. The one who made the light go out brings the light back in, seasoned, tempered form. And this renewed light is phosphorescent, glowing in the world's darkness, seeing the way clear, knowing it can be done. Whew. So when I read that description for this degree point, I felt my entire body soften and settle. And 
Over the last um, couple of weeks, I have been, as I mentioned, kind of feeling this mounting and increasing anxiety. And if you ask anyone who knows me very well, I'm not a very emotionally sensitive person. I can be kind of spaced out sometimes, um, a lot of fire and air in my chart. Um, but I am pretty psychically sensitive and I've just been feeling like a radio antenna and the buzzing all around me, this kind of accelerating and, uh, uh, volume rising feeling my whole body has felt like static charge. And in the last couple of days, um, that has, has increased. I feel it in my joints. I feel it in my brain. I feel it in my fluids. And I've, I've known that there's a lot of tension just at this time. And the election itself feels like kind of a, a spectacle in some ways to me. I mean, there, there are so many things going on and the quote-unquote democratic process in the United States is so ridiculous and such a, a festival of superficiality and pandering for the most part. And it's an insane amount of money spent on TV ads and campaigns. Literally, this amount of money could fix all the fucking problems that uh, people are worried about. So the election itself hasn't really been the thing, but it is this kind of combined momentum that is really starting to build in our atmosphere. And the news is so intense. I, I don't know anyone who can't feel it on some level. And if somehow you can't feel it, you are so insulated and so fucking privileged because shit is going down. And, you know, the, the, disasters that we're dealing with on a daily basis are real. Um, we are losing our environment right now. Our world is really at risk. We've had uh, yet another tyrannical dictator, racist, sexist asshole voted into power in Brazil. And Bolsonaro, this new leader, is um, probably going to open the way for a lot of the or a lot of what's left of the Amazon to be destroyed. These are our planet's lungs. In the United States, uh, since Trump has, has come into power, a lot of environmental regulations have been loosened or uh, demolished altogether. Um, of course, the United States has pulled out of a number of agreements that would move towards reducing our climate impact and making actual progress. So there are these huge uh, global situations on our hands. The world is at war. There are so many wars that are happening on almost every single continent, whether they are called an actual war or not. We have wars in communities. We have wars between communities. We have massive genocide happening. And, uh, you know, people are pissed off and people are hungry and people are hurt and people are scared. And at the same time, we have this weird uh, phenomena of a digital revolution that is kind of, um, on the one hand, both bringing us into more contact with one another, opening us up to more influences, flooding our minds with information that can galvanize and revolutionize and uh, agitate. And then, of course, all of that information is also incredibly numbing. So it's been a really weird time, it feels like, a really weird time where there's so much going on that it's absolutely 
incomprehensible. Like, how do we deal with it? And here we have this new moon in Scorpio, and Scorpio is the end of something as well as the beginning of something. And the feeling of this new moon has this real kind of apocalyptic end of the world feeling. There are um, aspects of the new moon to Pluto um, and to Neptune, to outer planets that are in a dance with one another currently. Pluto and Neptune are basically sextile from now through 2031. They're moving um, through uh, Capricorn and Pisces respectively into Aquarius and Aries and um, as they sextile each other these are what you can think of as generational cultural shifts totally transforming and shifting our perception of reality and Neptune is reality in the sense that reality is unreality um, reality is a dream, right? We live in the phenomenal world. We have bodies. Our bodies are very temporary. Our bodies produce things all the time, like houses and tools and relationships and campaigns and elections or whatever the fuck. And this is what we're living in. This is what our context is. This is our environment. So we think it's real because we have to, because it keeps us sane. But the truth is, is that it's not real. It's constantly changing. And one person's context compared to another person's context will be drastically different. So my variation of what reality is uh, compared to someone who's living in Yemen right now um, and experiencing total destruction of their country and devastation of their people, we're going to have very different realities, very different perceptions of what's important or what is real. So Neptune is this force that is Maya, it's the illusion, but we're living in it all of the time. And when we get attached to it, we become destructive, we become addicted, we become um, delusional. And when we recognize what it is, we recognize sacredness. When we recognize what it is, when we recognize the impermanence and the ineffability, we're in the sacredness. Because when something is impermanent, what else are you going to do but appreciate it in that moment? And that feeling is part of what Pluto brings us to. And Pluto is, uh, of course, another outer planet. And both Pluto and Neptune have incredibly slow orbits. And Pluto is a force that brings us uh, through the threshold of death. It is the releasing of the physical form and all of the stuff that goes along with the releasing. And once it has been released, it's transformation. But in the moment of releasing, there's something really, really important hap that happens. And I think probably a lot of us have had this experience in our lives if we've gone through the death of a loved one or if we have faced death ourselves or some kind of trauma or really drastic or dramatic event where it's like time stops and you see the colors of everything around you so vividly and you smell the smells and you feel the feelings and nothing else matters because this is what you have. And this is the kind of feeling that I think we're going to be in for quite a while now. We're really on the edge of something and I don't, I don't know if anyone can deny that. And 
I'm not like a, a type of person that's like, oh my God, we're on the edge of a consciousness shift. We're going to ascend. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people out there who are fucking crazy and um, that uh, half of life is the destructive element. So unless we learn how to work with this destruction skillfully, um, it's always going to be there no matter what. So we can either use it with some skill and with some awareness or it can uh, continue to wreak havoc in the way that it does. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but this new moon is aspecting both of those points. And that means that these points are, are infusing the new moon. And with Pluto, uh, Pluto in Capricorn is a, a really long transit. It began in 2008 and it will finish up in 2025 or 26. I'm forgetting exactly right now, somewhere around there. It has some weird retrogrades back and forth. But um, Pluto was discovered in 1930, and so um, it, it really hasn't been a, a force that's been in our consciousness consciously for that long, um, not even 100 years. But with its discovery, what was also discovered was atomic power. And um, since its discovery, the kind of power that humans wield, the kind of destructive power that humans wield, has magnified and increased. And Pluto as an energy uh, speaks to this. It speaks to the power to destroy and to completely obliterate. And it speaks to the impulse to do that and the potential outcomes of what that is. Pluto as a planet is incredibly dense. It's pretty small and it's really dense. It's really heavy. It is a planet of frozen ice. And as the kind of natural... Um, excuse me, the modern ruler of Scorpio, Pluto, um, it's an important point in this chart because the Pluto energy is infusing Scorpio all the time. And this idea of frozen ice is Scorpio. It's Scorpio is fixed water. It's water that doesn't move. So in the astrological language, water is the emotive element. It's our feelings. And what happens when our feelings get stuck? they become really destructive. And we're working on countless generations now of trauma and stuck feelings. Countless generations of colonization, of war, of forced migration, of genocide, of rape and murder and pillaging. And this is in all of our histories. All of our bi biographies, there's not one person on this planet that doesn't have that in their lineage at this point. We are all walking bags of trauma. And this trauma exists below the surface. We are not really given tools to understand it, to work with it. Many of us are extremely sensitive to it and uh, don't know what it is. And so it comes out as physical manifestations, as illnesses, as anxiety, as depression, as bad dreams, as fucked up relationships, as mistrust, as self-hatred. This is the impact of trauma. This is the impact of dissociation and severance from each other, from the earth, from our birthright to just be here and live in our bodies. Our bodies are created for pleasure. <laughs> not war. That's what I believe. Um, however, when our feelings get stuck, when we're hurt and we don't know what to do with it, force builds. And that force over time is what I will call shadow. 
So it's all of the little hurts, it's all of the fears, it's all of the insecurities, it's all the times that you turned away or someone turned away from you. And all those feelings that we can't talk about because we don't have the words for them, because they're too shameful, because we're actually scared uh, to talk about them, because something bad might happen. That's the power of Pluto, and this is frozen ice. And so Pluto, since 2008, has been moving through Capricorn, and Capricorn is a sign that is, in this day and age, most commonly interpreted as the sign of governance and rulership. Pluto was in Capricorn when the United States was conceived uh, as, a, as an identity in the drafting of the U.S. Constitution. And this powerful force of uh, locked up um, shadow <laughs> and what, you know, kind of damage that can do is really embedded in the formation of the United States. And the U.S. was, uh, you know, formed on a lie. Basically, there is this myth about, um, you know, freedom and rights for all, and that is pretty untrue. It's it's freedom and rights for a few. Um, and and because of that myth, uh, the indigenous people of North America were slaughtered. Um, the indigenous people of the African continent were uh, brought in as, as slaves, were kidnapped and, um, you know, turned into forced labor and basically built the wealth of this country. And um, there's this myth that all of this uh, is kind of underneath this genocide, this slavery, the... Uh, rape and the murder and the lies. So here we have Pluto in Capricorn again, and this means it's the Pluto return. And the Pluto return is um, kind of like the Saturn return, if y'all are familiar with Saturn return. So it's a reckoning, it's a finishing of a cycle. And um, the new moon is aspecting with it. It is definitely feeling the rays of Pluto. And just a few hours after the new moon, uh, the moon will come into exact sextile. And just a few days after the new moon, um, the sun will come into exact sextile. And so at the new moon, this is a forming aspect. It's growing in strength. And what I would say to this is that uh, the, the myth of the United States is is being transformed, and along with it, it's kind of the myth of the modern era, the myth of individualism, the myth of capitalism, the myth of this particular style of dominance that we can see has spread throughout the world. And the world is changing, and part of why it's changing and how it must continue to change is because of the, the background, the circumstance of everything. And this is Neptune, and Neptune in Pisces. Neptune is the modern ruler of Pisces. Pisces is the sign of the collective. As I was mentioning earlier, Neptune is this force that is the reality on reality that the collective is swimming in at any given time. And the new moon is in trine with, Nep uh, with Neptune. And the reality, the kind of pressing nature and the permeation of reality into our consciousness or unreality into our consciousness is so much a part of this new moon. So let's contextualize ourselves in this moment and just recognize that we're living through really interesting times. It's kind of like that um, blessing curse, like 
you know, hope you don't live through interesting times. But here we are living through some really interesting times. A, a lot of transformation is possible. A lot of devastation is happening. A shift will be made one way or another. We will shift very soon, either into a total downfall of our species and a complete nuclearization and explosion of our planet, or not. Or we'll move into innovation or something else, but it's going to go one way or the other. We can't really um, uh, go backwards. So here we are. And then the last aspect that this new moon is making is um, a square to Mars. And this is a wide orb, but it's also applying. And so it's growing um, over the course of the next uh, couple of, of hours with the moon. And then over the course of the next 10 days or so with the sun is this square with Mars. And Mars is finishing its transit of Aquarius currently. It's there for um, just another couple of weeks, um, if, if that long at all. And Mars has been in Aquarius since May, and I've talked about uh, this transit, I think, in pretty much every recent podcast. Um, this is something that I've been feeling as the opportunity that a lot of us have had in our personal lives to rewire our nervous systems, to try and uh, do things differently, and particularly to do things differently when it comes to social standing and social awareness. And part of what I think is happening for a lot of us right now is that we're being so impacted by the environment and by what's going on culturally. And enough is enough already. And people are choosing which side they're standing on. And there is, um, I, I think, maybe less fear um, or maybe more, I don't know, maybe both, um, but a different kind of relationship to the group and for at least some people, more willingness to radicalize, whatever that means, one way or another, um, to really declare themselves and their beliefs and um, go for it. And Aquarius is the masses, and the masses are following, and the masses are also radicalizing. And that is also something I'm going to talk about just a little bit more. Um, so Scorpio, to come back to this sign, is a really powerful sign. Um, the significance of Scorpio is power. In our bodies, it rules our genitals. Therefore, it rules sex. Um, not the falling in love like romance of sex, but actually fucking. Uh, it therefore also rules coming and creating or conceiving and producing. And it is the power of life. It is kind of the biological power of life to create itself. Scorpio also rules bowels, and so therefore it rules shit. So therefore it rules composting, and therefore it rules power. The power to create from what has been destroyed. And this is the life-death cycle, and this is Scorpio. This is what it is in our bodies. It's the place where transformation occurs. And this is really actually beautiful energy, and it's amazing and magical energy, and it's something that I think um, all of us in our ancestry have known in one way or another. No matter who you are, at some point in your ancestry, you have ancestors who knew how to live with the earth, who knew how to live with the cycles and the seasons, who knew how to appreciate life and death, and who weren't afraid of sex or their bodies. 
And this is the potential of Scorpio, I think, is to not be afraid to be in rhythm with nature, to know how to midwife in life and death, and to, to be there for the changing of it and to see that as power. Um, but Scorpio gets really fucked up because it is also extremely attached. And like I was talking about before, it can um, maintain and hold on to feelings in this pretty intense way. And Scorpio, uh, in, in the way that it gets attached, um, has a lot to do with possession and greed. And so some other things that Scorpio rules are sex and money. Um, and with that, we can kind of understand how fear of death is also something that Scorpio rules. So Scorpio rules death, but it also rules the fear of death. And the fear of death is what manifests in all of us as our really destructive behaviors. So when you're scared to die, whether the death is the ending of a relationship or quitting a job that you hate or moving out of your childhood home or someone else's death or your own death, you probably do weird stuff. I mean, I know that when I'm dealing with loss, I can get like really edgy and cranky and say some really shitty things. Um, and that's like low stakes, you know, that's not a big deal. But that impulse when it's magnified and when it's coming on the or, or over a huge bed of unconscious trauma and this kind of holding on to the past hurts, holding on to whatever it is that's in our lineage that we don't even know about, um, there's a lot of momentum that can go into the fear of death. This is something that for me has been really obvious um, in the last couple of decades <laughs> of it becoming more obvious that um, white male terrorists, terrorism is on, not really even on the rise, but like just is in the United States, just is, and maybe people are starting to wake up to it, but radical terrorism, like uh, walking into schools and shooting children or walking into a hot yoga studio and shooting yoga students as happened just uh, last week in Florida, I think, or blowing up uh, a mosque or walking into a synagogue and shooting people in prayer. You know that these are all white men. And what's happening right now for white men is that they're looking at uh, a potential loss of some of the power that they have held disproportionately for a very long time. And that is a fear of death. That is a fear of one's own um, obs obsolescence, obs obsoleteness. I think that's the right way to use that word. So the fear of death or the clinging to life is something that we all have to deal with. And it's not going to get um, to an extreme, I think, of you know terrorism for most of us. I hope not. But it is something that we all have to deal with. I've been dealing with it personally in the last um, couple of months. I have this really old cat. And some of you might know her. You've come over for astrology readings or you know me. And so my cat, May, is 22 years old. Um, she's amazing. She's um, kind of in good health. But she's, she's really old. And she has dementia. 
and um, her fur is getting really matted and it seems kind of disgusting and painful to take care of it and uh, she's going blind and she's deaf and she really doesn't have that much to live for anymore. But she keeps living and she keeps eating and uh, it's hard to take care of her. So I've been in this place of, of wondering like, what do I do, you know, do, do I put my cat down? She's been with me since I was 14. She's literally my oldest friend on the planet. And any of you who've had animal friends, like they're like the same as human friends, you know, like they mean something. There, there are, there are people like they, they're there all the time and they love us even when we're wretched and they're really special beings. Um, but contending with this has been a, a really big question for me. Like, what do I do? Do I, do I put my cat down? Do I exert my power over this other being and end her life? And then that throws me back on this question of, well, have I been prolonging her life? Because here she is, she's really fucking old. If she was not living in a climate controlled, um, you know, dwelling with a cushy bed and organic cat food twice a day and fresh water, like she'd be gone a long time ago. Um, she's pretty much lost control of her uh, ability to, to run or to hunt. And uh, I think her temperature control is gone. So what do I do? And I don't think I'm alone in facing this question. You know, we live um, in a time when Old people are kept alive for a really long time and they're put away in senior centers. A lot of them don't get any visitors. They're kept on life support. People are in comas for like decades. Um, you know, children who have extreme birth defects are um, born and then kept alive and given quite a bit of money to stay alive in bodies that might not be able to communicate or move on their own. And the question that we have to face then is a really potent and powerful one. Like, what do we do as people with some amount of agency? Do we end the lives or do we end the suffering? And which is which? So the fear of death is complex. I don't, I don't think that it is like an easy thing to conquer necessarily. And along with that, it's biological. I mean, we resist death. We cling to life. That's what our bodies are made to do. We pull our hands away from the flame. You know, it's something that is instinctual in us. But the fear of death when it is not examined um, breeds vampires right like this is the mythology of the vampire is the immortal it's the living dead that sucks on the life of uh actually living beings to sustain itself and it it is the manifestation of the shadow and so these vampires and these monsters um what are they symbols for they are on a constant quest for power right for possession and this is what it feels like to me these days, you know, watching what's happening uh, all over the, the world with um, people, mostly men, in power and seeking to accumulate and amass power over others and power over the environment and power over women and power over whoever, power over each other. And what this has led to 
is a world at war. And the kind of power that is being exerted is this dominating, aggressive, killing power. The fear of death equals a massive amount of death. So Scorpio, right? Like um, I've talked, I think, quite a lot, and I know I wrote about it recently, um, about Jupiter in Scorpio, and I'm going to talk more about Jupiter in just a minute, but Jupiter has been in Scorpio since last fall and is just about to leave the sign actually in just a few days. And wherever Jupiter is, it magnifies, it enlarges, it brings to our attention, it is the teacher. And uh, literally, like, you know, as Jupiter moved into Scorpio, the Me Too movement started with Alyssa Milano tweeting, uh, um, basically re-quoting, retweeting Tarana Burke. And since then, there's been this avalanche of um, stories coming forth and exposures happening and, um, you know, all of this stuff coming about, about sex and the abuse of power and sex. So I've talked about that and that's significant and that definitely has to do with what I was just talking about in terms of how power exerts itself. But one of the other things that I've been really amazed to see happening in this last year is the corruption of the U.S. government really being shown to us. And, you know, Donald Trump is kind of amazing in the sense that he's so transparent. I'm constantly, I'm constantly like surprised, not surprised at how these like news anchors or whoever it is, they're like, oh, President Trump said this thing. It was really messed up. When is he going to issue an apology? When is he going to take it back? You know, oh, he said this, he apologized. And it's like, the guy obviously doesn't feel that way. You know, he says what's on his mind. He is the most transparent dude. And um, one of the things that has been really amazing, you know, in the last couple of weeks uh, after this murder of um, the the journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, um, was the way that Trump responded, hearing that, you know, Saudi Arabia was responsible for it. Trump responded by basically expressing dismay because the United States was in the middle of a huge arms deal with Saudi Arabia and saying, oh, well, you know, we can't get in the way of that. The United States is the biggest exporter of weapons in the world. Our main export is war, is destruction. Since World War II, our economy has grown and thrived on war. Since I was born in the 1980s, um, the world has been at war constantly. And the United States has been uh, starting wars between opposing forces, supplying weapons to both sides. And it's this crazy, you know, it's this crazy mind-boggling kind of thing right now where, um, uh, you know, there's this like quote-unquote caravan of migrants coming up to I don't know, like take over the U.S., like these 3,000 and some people uh, coming from Central American countries. These are people who are like families. They're coming with kids. They have old people. They like maybe have shoes and a backpack with some stuff. They're hungry. They're exhausted. They're ill. They're fleeing violence in their countries. They're fleeing an opportunity. They're fleeing corruption. And they are fleeing wars that the United States has backed. 
these people are basically Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, right? Like they're, they're transient migrant pilgrims looking for a safe spot to land. And the United States now has spent something like 200,000, no, 200 million, I don't know, some huge amount of money, um, you know, like reinforcing the border from this caravan of people. And there are all these, um, you know, self-appointed desperados or whatever, you know, border patrol fascists, uh, you know, walking around like the southern border with their military-grade machine guns. 3,000 migrants, right? And then meanwhile, the United States uh, last year, I believed, um, or this year, wrote these notes, but they're all messy, this year has, um, I think, brought in a- around $47 billion uh, because of weapons sales. So this is Scorpio. You know, this is what is underneath. This is the corruption. This is the power. This is the force of death created by the fear of death. What would happen if we put our attention into uh, celebrating what is alive right now? Like, Like, what would be the difference, say, instead of opposing abortion, right? Like instead of opposing a procedure that would allow um, women to choose whether or not to give birth to children who potentially had birth defects, who um, potentially could kill them in childbirth, who maybe they didn't want to raise because they didn't have enough money or they didn't have enough time or they lived in less than optimal circumstances. Like what if instead of opposing that, we put energy into making sure that children who were born received health care and education and their parents were given um, jobs and housing. Can you just, I mean, what would happen, right? Like if we just shifted perspective, and I know I'm preaching to the choir um, with this, but it's really amazing because uh, I, I think, you know, God, a lot of the, the interests that are funding this kind of um, real hysteria and panic about abortion or or migrants coming in are evangelical Christians. And um, this is such a distortion of what I think the Christian message actually is. Um, love thy neighbor, you know. <laughs> it's it's quite, quite astounding sometimes um, what is being pandered to. So how do we shift this? Like we're in this world at war, there are these huge huge forces and this massive momentum uh, pushing for war, pushing for extremism. Um, I was listening to an astrologer I love who has really inspired quite a bit of this tangent, Eric Francis over at Planet Waves. And he was talking about um, the way that that power uh, becomes embodied and that there's this difference between true power, which is the ability to self-reflect, um, to maybe sometimes like apologize, you know, uh, work together, put down your conviction, try and hear the other person's side. Like this is actually power. This is a powerful person who can do this. And then false power, which is, um, basically, uh, you know, a erection and a submachine gun and a can of beer. And, um, this feeling of, of the need to dominate or compete, how do we shift this? Because this is in our culture. It is um, something that I think comes up as 
somewhat of an instinct in many of us, whether it takes the, the form of, of uh, that erection and submachine gun and can of beer or something that's maybe a little bit more, um, you know, like queer or hippie or new age, but it's like we still, I know I do, so I imagine that you do, have the instinct. Um, like if I'm being threatened, my point of view is being threatened or um, I need to let go of something that's really important to me, I still have the instinct to defend against it and squash whatever it is that's feeling like a threat. So it's terrifying to face death, right? It's terrifying to shift power, and it really takes courage to do this. The opposite of fear is courage, right? Like, we have to be courageous. And this is a time on the planet to be courageous. We are here in this moment uh, that's extremely interesting, these interesting times. And um, we need to speak out and we need to stand up and we need to protest and we need to create new opportunities. And we need to ask ourselves what will actually make a difference now. In the guided meditation that I offer for this new moon, it's called The Opposite of Fear is Courage. I made a comment that I, I really want to contextualize because I was thinking about it, hoping that it didn't come out the wrong way. But basically I said, um, if you have privilege, your decisions matter more. And what I meant by that is that if you are someone who has um, privilege, if you have money, if you have a platform, if you have some kind of um, social influence, the choices that you make matter in a different way because of how you impact the world. So if you have money to spend, you can affect a lot more people, probably, than someone without that money. If you have a platform, you can affect a lot more people than someone who doesn't. If you have social standing, you can convince a lot more people than someone who doesn't. So if you have privilege, your choices matter. And now, our choices really matter. And I would consider myself someone who has a lot of privilege. And part of that privilege is just being here, getting to sit in my living room, make a podcast and know that I'm going to put it on the internet. And in a number of days, uh, there will be some thousand amount of people who listen. And so hello, and thank you. And thanks for listening. And um, I know that it's my job um, in whatever it is that I think that I do to really try and speak to what I see happening right now and to speak about it as plainly and as clearly and as courageously as I possibly can. And that includes not knowing all the time and um, probably messing up, like saying things in the wrong way, saying things that are going to get misinterpreted, saying things that are actually wrong. Um, but it also includes the courage to try and reflect on that and to try and keep doing it better and to really stay clear with what my intent is. And that this is something that I'm trying to do. And it's something I know so many of us are trying to do right now. So I just want to speak out to anybody who's listening to this, because if you have the technology to listen to a podcast, then you have something. Um, we have to face our fear right now. We have to look at what we're scared to let go of. And, um, for white people, this means seating space, you know, opening up, uh, space in whatever ways you possibly can, letting non-white people take up some room in the conversation. We, um, there, white supremacy exists all around the world, but especially if you're li listening in the United States or in Western Europe or in Australia, which I know a lot of my listeners do uh, live in these places, 
step back, open some space, like uh, do whatever you can to uplift and amplify voices that are different than yours. If you're someone with money, put your money to work, let go of some of it, like check in when you're um, you're scared to give it away because you actually want to keep it just in case, or you want to buy this other thing, like just check in with yourself. And you don't have to have the life of a, um, you know, whatever, like ascetic. You don't need to give all your stuff away. You don't need to be impoverished, but you have money. You can spend it. You can do things. Um, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give a couple names that if you have money, go donate to them. Um, if you are a man, help out some women, you know, like help them move forwards, lift them up, amplify their voices, use your privilege. Your choices matter right now. Our choices matter right now. Our choices, they matter. In this, let's all become more aware of how we're spending our money, right? This is Scorpio. This is, um, we, we need to look at what's underneath power and we need to contend with how we can shift power. In the last full moon podcast, I um, made some call uh, to people to, to divest, um, to figure out if they have mutual funds or something like this that's funding war. And I got a couple of responses and um, no answers yet, but just another call. If you know how to shift your company's 401k or if you have suggestions for like stocks or mutual funds that are towards progressive change um, that people can choose instead of funding like war and alcohol and um, I don't know, drugs, pharmaceuticals, let us know because um, this is, I think, one of the main ways that we can change is actually shifting our economies. So um, there's nothing less left to lose, you know. Uh, we really need to turn and, and face the reality of right now. And when we can do that, then we can accept death, right? Like this feeling of, okay, there's actually nothing left to lose, Maybe you have some privilege, maybe you could hold on to it, maybe for like another couple of decades, but the extreme disasters are inching closer and closer to you by the second. You cannot escape the climate. Maybe you want to go to Mars and colonize Mars or something, but you know, it's coming for you and it's going to get you if uh, poor people don't first, if the collapse of our government doesn't first, if the dissolving of social services doesn't first, if white male terrorists shooting up your kid's elementary school doesn't first. You know, th this is it. And um, we need to accept <laughs> where we are. And in that kind of acceptance, I think that's actually power. It's looking at it and it's going, okay, what the hell do I stand for? What am I willing to put myself forwards for and how can I act? So um, one of the, the things that I want to say is that there are um, a lot of people, and I'm learning this all the time, there are a lot of people who have been in this spot for forever. I, I mean, for a really long time. And these would be indigenous folks, um, black people, people who are marginalized all the time, who are constantly kind of in a space of feeling like, well, what the fuck do I have left to lose? I live in a system that is against me, um, that's against my people, against my family. What the hell do I have to lose? And there's a lot for me personally and for anyone else who's uh, kind of with me in this, for us to, to learn from people who have resisted for a long time. 
Um, I was just listening. I spent today not paying attention to the news and listening to my favorite podcasts instead. So I was just listening to Adrienne Marie Brown's podcast. It's called How to Survive the End of the World. You should listen to it if you haven't already. Um, the most recent episode they uh, featured, she and her sister talked with the Electoral Justice Project. And I wish that I had heard this earlier and I would have shared it um, earlier because it was, it was a really powerful podcast for today and for the last few weeks with voting. Um, but I just want to say like, wow, you know, the, the movement for black lives has been such an amazing and transformational force. And the feeling that I get when I look at this chart is like, ooh, excited. Because in this moment of the need to address our fear of death and uh, confront our shadow and, you know, figure out what the fuck we're going to do next, there is a, a fortifying of power for people who've been doing this for a really long time. And there are a lot of voices that are um, being amplified and that are getting raised right now. And these voices are finding each other. And over the course of the past, however long, I would say, especially since Pluto's come into Capricorn in the last 10 years or so, these voices have been connecting and movements have been uh, started and have gained momentum. And the movement for Black Lives is one of them. And one of uh, the things I was thinking about with the guided meditation, and um, definitely listen to it uh, if you want, is that as we release our shadows, as we release our fear of death, we get to release uh, our fears of each other. And we get to release the fears of judgment. And we get to release all of the things that keep us separate from one another and that keep us fighting each other and seeking to maintain control and power and yada yada. And as that happens, we will be able to reabsorb and come into balance with the, the, this schism, this huge trauma that has occurred in all of us um, between the otherings. And whatever it is, if it's men and women, black people, white people, or brown, black people, white fucking people, or rich people, poor people, or young people, old people. You know, there, we live in this world that is um, so dualistic so much of the time. And there's, you know, all this confrontation and anger. And the way that, um, that, that whiteness has become um, synonymous with good or blackness has become synonymous with, with evil is something that I think is really interesting from like a, a symbolic space, from a language space. And so in the guided meditation, I was kind of imagining like what could happen if, if all of us um, could release these binaries, these uh, dualities that exist in all of us. So it doesn't matter who you are. I'm sure there's one group that you feel like you belong to and you're fighting against another group. If somehow everything could like come back together and could get interpermeated again, what would happen? What kind of power could exist there? And that feeling is, is the feeling that I've been uh, also having with this kind of mounting anxiety. It's this also mounting like electricity and excitement because there's been so much mobilization, so much, and uh, all these 
women of color who are running for office right now and who are winning. Like I, you know, just before I started recording, I did a little quick peek and um, the first Native American woman has been voted in. Like she won against this dude with all this NRA funding. What? A Muslim American woman has been voted in. What? This is amazing. Like a 29 year old Latina Latinx person has been voted, voted in. This is, wow. You know, so it kind of doesn't matter what happens. This is happening. Whatever the outcome is, this is still happening. And um, everything that has been happening uh, nationally with Trump and DACA has really mobilized, I think, a lot of young people and a lot of young people of color. Um, the Parkland shooting and, and those students have really done an amazing job uh, getting out and mobilizing young people to vote. And I just uh, am so amazed by this um, this group of, of young people who are suing the U.S. government right now um, for violating their constitutional rights, their constitutional rights for life, liberty, and property um, because the government has been causing climate change through their uh, affirmative action of basically the causes of it. And so these kids are, are suing the government for their failure to protect their constitutional rights and the failure to protect the essential public trust resources. Like, this is happening. So I just want to mention that. And... Um, I think that that more of this will happen as more of us really work with what it means to share power and to face our own death. And so if you're someone who has power, give it away a little bit, like give it to a younger person or give it to a person of color, or give it to a person that uh, has a really differently abled body than yours. They have a different perspective on life and figure out how to work with them and don't grasp, you know, don't grasp your power, don't grasp your resources. This is something that we're all learning. I think this is a good moment to give a shout out to this teacher that I mentioned. Um, my organization, Sola School, School of Living Arts, is bringing the Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams here to Portland, not this coming weekend, but the weekend following, so the weekend of November 16th. Um, Reverend Angel is going to come and do a uh, weekend-long Radical Dharma circle here. And she was here last year around this time, and maybe some of you attended that event. Reverend Angel's teachings are very powerful, and um, they're totally relevant for this moment and these times. And um, uh, I want to just quote her for a second. Um, Without inner change, there can be no outer change. Without collective change, no change matters. Again, without inner change, there can be no outer change. Without collective change, no change matters. So Reverend Angel will be coming to, to lead some really powerful work with us. Um, she's offering a, a public talk and dialogue on Friday night, and then um, a weekend workshop basically all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's an experiential weekend that works explicitly and directly with race and white supremacy and the trauma that is created in our bodies because of these mental constructs. And um, she offers ways to, to heal and to resolve and to talk about it and to find ways to connect. Um, we have multiple access points and different kinds of sliding scales, and um, really this workshop is accessible to everyone. So if you're interested and if you're in Portland on the weekend of November 16th, head over to solaschool.com. That's S-O-L-A school.com. 
And I'll also link to this uh, from Embodied Astrology and from my newsletter and hope to see you there. I'm going to go a little bit over an hour. Just want to let you know now. I could have let you know at the beginning, but I couldn't predict that because it wasn't in the chart. Ha ha. Um, but I just looked at the, the clock, so I'll go a little bit longer. Um, anyway, this big transformation is uh, really clear in the chart in the way that um, Jupiter is at the last moment of its transit through Scorpio at the new moon. So Jupiter has been in Scorpio, as I mentioned, for almost a year. And the day after the new moon, it moves into the sign of Sagittarius, where it will transit until December 3rd of 2019. And so um, this is a big deal. This is quite a shift in our feelings. I think, um, at least for me, being a person with more fire and air, this is going to feel fucking great. Um, Scorpio is, is heavy energy, and it can be really intense. And Jupiter and Scorpio has been a lot of heaviness and intensity. And Jupiter and Sagittarius will definitely bring more excitement into the air. And Sagittarius, I should say, rules the higher courts, and it rules judges, and it rules belief systems. And you can bet that over the course of the next year, we'll have some really heated debates. And it is not going to mellow out at this point. It is just going to get stronger. It doesn't matter what happens in the elections. Um, people are fired up and people on every single side are fired up. Um, Jupiter is at 29 degrees and Uranus is at 29 degrees of Aries. So just the day before the new moon, uh, which is today, um, Uranus moved back into Aries. So Uranus entered Aries in 2010. It was a, a seven slash eight year transit through the sign because of its retrogrades. And in May of this year, Uranus moved into Taurus. It turned retrograde in August, and it's been moving back uh, towards Aries, and today on the 6th of November, it, it moved back into Aries where it will be um, for a couple of months. And this 29 degree point is a really interesting point. It's called the anoretic degree. And it's basically the feeling of the last thing that we did is over now. I don't want to do it anymore. The next thing that we're going to do hasn't started yet, and I don't really know what it is, and I'm kind of scared. Like, that's the 29th degree. So it's the very last moment of a zodiacal energy right before it shifts. And it's the completion of that energy and the nothingness of what's next. And it's also excited, and it's totally terrified, and it doesn't quite know what to do. So Jupiter is about to move into Sagittarius to uh, in, into the sign of its um, rulership. And this is a, a big expansion. This is the feeling of we get to make our own meanings and we are going to really try and make our own meanings. And that's all of us, right? All of us here on the planet. Um, Uranus moving back into Aries is a recollection because it was there before. And um, Uranus is uh, moving back to 28 degrees of Aries, and it was there from June 28th through September 8th of 2017. That was the summer of the big eclipses, and it turned retrograde actually um, like right, I, I can't remember now if it was on the day or right around um, the uh, early August eclipse in Aquarius. Um, it, it turned retrograde on August 3rd at 28 degrees. And um, it was also there uh, at this degree point, so April 10th through 27th of this past year, 
2018. So write these dates down, June 28th through September 8th of 2017, and then April 10th through 27th of 2018. So if you think back to those times in your life, and if you know your chart, then you can look to see where Aries is in your chart. If you don't know, just think back generally to these themes. This is a time when you were learning something about your agency, your sovereignty, your warriorship. And Aries is a sign that needs to declare itself. It needs to go, I am. And wherever you were declaring yourself, whether it was at home or in a relationship or at work or with yourself in a spiritual way, you were learning how to occupy yourself. And that might have happened through chaos. It might have happened through struggle. It might have happened uh, very quietly and below the surface. But now... Um, Uranus is going to return to this point, point. it'll get there um, on January 6th, and then it'll be there until um, January 28th, it turns direct on January 28th, and then it, it takes until March to move out of Aries. So I'm going to read also from Elias Lonsdale um, this description of Aries 28. So the title is A Wreath of Laurel Placed on the Head of an Old Man. The soul's journey is absolutely endless, and you sense throughout that journey that somebody is watching. The greater dynamic is at work here, and you live into that ultimate aspect from the very beginning. You simply know that your destiny must and will be fulfilled. There is a higher vibrational inside track that accompanies each step, every phase, and that otherness gives you back to yourself in such a fashion that you are never alone, not incomplete, never less than whole. All of the vital agitations only serve to quicken the pace, to bring you back on the spiral to that vital place again where you are known and acknowledged and from which you can go forth and know and acknowledge others in their destiny light, seen and sensed and known, free of all qualifications. I just really love this description and it does feel really appropriate to me. It feels like something that I have been experiencing um, really personally these last few years, just understanding how I definitely create my own reality when it comes to work and my relationships. And that if I'm not honest with myself, that I'm actually doing harm to the people around me. And that sometimes that means that I need to say things that are hard to hear or that I need to break up or move away or end something. Um, but ultimately, if I'm not being honest with myself, I'm not actually living into the person that I can be. I'm a drain on my own resources and others. And when I do live into that, there is this higher vibration that I touch into. And I feel supported and doors open and I don't feel alone. And I recognize how agitation and uh, struggle are actually thresholds that get me into something else and um, I feel seen and I see others and I'm not so competitive I'm not isolated so um, think back to these times in your life and over the next couple of months as Uranus is in its retrograde we're doing this last little bit of work around our own agency and the ways that each of us are going to be warriors and I hope that we're warriors of the heart warriors of love and um really courageous and courageous and powerful in the way that is truly courageous and powerful, which is the ability to self-reflect 
and uh, let other people in and not always be right and ask some hard questions and be willing to put ourselves out there and maybe say the wrong thing, but to have really full hearts and um, a good sense of humor, right? That's real power. Over the um, next uh, year, as Jupiter moves into Sagittarius, it's going to form a sextile with Neptune three times. And um, the first one occurs six days after Uranus turns direct. So you might also want to take notes of these dates. Uh, January 6th, 2019 is the day that Uranus turns direct. January 12th through 18th is the first uh, Jupiter square. Excuse me, I said some other aspect before. I meant to say square. Jupiter squared to Neptune. June 14th through 21st and September 2019, basically the whole month, there's no exact aspect. So during these times, um, we're all going to have chances to take what we have learned from our processes of liberation and self-actualization and then put them into action as our belief systems and as the ways that we teach each other and that we grow in our lives and that we expand in our awareness. Um, let's see. What else should I say? Very quickly, I'll mention that on November 16th, uh, Venus turns direct. Venus has been retrograde um, for quite some time now. It feels like forever. And um, it won't be out of its shadow until December 18th, but it will turn direct. And Venus is in uh, trine right now with Mars and Aquarius. I didn't quite get back to talking about that, but I'll just mention that in the new moon chart, Venus is conjunct Ceres, the asteroid Ceres, and both of them are trine with Mars and Aquarius. And then I've been playing around with asteroids, and the asteroid Stacy is at 28 degrees of Aquarius, exactly trine to Ceres. And of course, shout out to Stacy Abrams, this amazing candidate in Georgia, who, um, whether or not she wins, is just a huge pioneer and a huge inspiration and really, um, I think, changing ideas for a lot of people about what can happen. So that's the Aquarian way. And this Venus series conjunct feels like a lot of feminine energy that's supporting that. So that's exciting. And then the day after Venus turns direct on 11-17, Mercury turns retrograde. And then we have the Mercury retrograde period um, through uh, December 6th. It'll retrograde all the way back to 27 degrees Scorpio. It's out of its shadow on the 25th. I will have more information for you about Mercury Retrograde on the next podcast. That's for the uh, full moon coming up in two weeks on Thanksgiving Day. Um, and you can check in with Embodied Astrology on Instagram. And I will be doing some posts about both of these transits so you can learn more there. And you can also get these Zodiacal Season Planners where I've written about uh, both of these things and... Um, you can access yours at embodiedastrology.com by becoming a monthly subscriber at any amount. You'll get the PDF. Um, if you have been using the planners, I would love to hear your feedback and how they're working out for you. And if there are things that you would really love in them, or if there are things that you think they would be better without, let me know. All right, I'm going to leave it there for now. There's a lot more to talk about in this chart. Maybe I'll see you somewhere. We can talk about it, but I'm just almost to an hour and 15 minutes. I try and um, stay somewhat structured here, keep it around an hour. I'm wishing you all the best and wishing you well wherever you are in time or space listening to this. And um, thanks for going on this journey with me. 
I want to say just final note uh, for all of us, um, especially for those of us who are engaged as healers or teachers, or if we're holding space for people's bodies, like you own a yoga studio or something like that. Um, if we are not actively, actively, like with intention every single day, putting in work for decolonization, liberation, and kindness, we are not living up to our full potentials. And what I mean by that, in summary, in brief, decolonization uh, is something that we all need to work for. All of us have been colonized, our bodies, this planet, uh, our land, our sovereignty. Colonization means controlled. It means exploited. It means uh, taken out of your context and put somewhere else. It means put into a box. It means t having your history taken from you. Um, the exploitation that all of us are part of and suffer under is not necessary. We can come back to what we know. We can remember what we already know, which is how to treat each other with kindness and how to live in harmony with the planet. And we will do that by getting liberated and liberating ourselves from our weird fucking habits and going to therapy and uh, being kind and helping each other out when we can and having a lot of patience for each other and deciding to do the work. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening. Happy new moon and I'll catch you the next time. Bye for now.